Get ready to be dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. I show a couple of times. They're fantastic. Yeah, yeah, they're they're great. Yeah, I have a whole list of people here uh, from Audrey Roy and Taylor Bush and Rachel Burkons and oh yeah, and Jamie Evans and Devin oh, Lane yeah. for the Hydro Chef. <laughs> love them, funny. love them. Right on. Well, thanks um, for being here. Yeah, um, the only the only caveat, real quick, before we get started, is that like I'm fine with talking about like high times and like stuff that happened like back in the day when I was. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Days and Infused. Tonight, we are privileged to have with us, I would call her a luminary in the cannabis field, Elise McDonough, brand manager of confections at Canacraft. Elise, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's uh, I really appreciate being here. Uh, I really appreciate you being here because I'm not kidding. I do regard you as a luminary. You've been doing this since 2002 and at least, and um, you've seen it all. I mean, you legitimately have seen it all. And it's nice to have people on the show who have been there basically since almost day one and have seen the metamorphosis of, of the business and to see how it's grown. And I'm, I'm sure you've got a lot to say about it. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it has been an honor and a privilege for sure. And uh, I, I do find it's it's pretty funny that my Instagram serves as almost like a history of the evolution of edibles. <laughs> Isn't it funny? I know. <laughs> but yeah, there's, I mean, so many people that came before us in, you know, the fifties and sixties and seventies and the people who persevered throughout the eighties when everything was going wrong. And, yeah. you know, there's so many activists who got us to the place where we are today. So I'm very thankful to have seen the activism and the movement before it transformed into an industry and to be there at a very pivotal time. I mean, it is, you know, the great joy and honor of my life for sure. Yeah. It is kind of a a weird thing to refer to it as an industry now, you know, um, I never thought it would be that frankly, when I was a a young whippersnapper doing my (laughs) own grow in my backyard or on my roof, you know, and now it's, it's this thing, which I'm a part of, you're a part of, you're a big part of it. And it's kind of interesting. For the people at home who don't know Elise McDonough, she wrote uh, two cookbooks, uh, Bong Appetit Cookbook, and she's a product specialist for Leafly, Contributor Device, Cannabis Now, Green State, and Sensi Magazine. And you were the first edibles editor at High Times, correct? Yeah, and I wrote there the official High Times Cannabis Cookbook that came out in 2012. And that book really was the beginning of the trend of cannabis cookbooks becoming a niche and cannabis dining becoming a a big trend that um, we've seen grow and grow. And it's just, yeah, it's been an incredible journey since I started at High Times. And I started there in, in 2002 when I was right out of college and at that point, people told you you were crazy. Like, I kept it a secret from my family for a little while, you know? Yeah. Like, everybody said, it'll never happen. Why are you wasting your time? And then all of a sudden, look, it, it did happen. 
Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, my stepdad who who raised me um, is not around to see it, but he just like I, I just remember is like this is going nowhere. Okay, don't waste your time with this stuff, and and it it just has changed, and and it is because of advocacy by people like yourself, other people who Last Prisoner Project like the D'Angelo brothers and uh, and Weed and Grub, even you know people who can continue to advocate for the benefits of THC, the benefits of the cannabis plant. Um, these are the people who are really making a difference in the world. And even people like I interviewed Tommy Chong two weeks ago and guys like him who made it normalized and made it uh, seem like it's something to do and really, really make part of your life. And I, I appreciate people like you for towing the line and doing it so well for so long. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, it's just been a really long process, and and so many people pushed so hard, and and so did so much work than than I personally did. Um, you know, there's people who have sacrificed their lives to this movement, and uh, I think that it's important. Yeah, that we honor those pioneers and those activists who literally risked everything to get us to the place where we are today. Yeah, and some of those people, um, unfortunately, are still incarcerated. So we're going to give a shout out to uh, Last Prisoner Project again and to say if you if you have concerns about how the penal system treats people in cannabis and you should be concerned, you need to look into their project and contribute to them uh, because they're doing really good work and important work for people who have been wrongly convicted of cannabis crimes, uh, nonviolent cannabis crimes. Can I ask you a quick question about... Um, because you're the edible expert at Canacraft, um, where do you think we're going in terms of trends uh, within the, the legal boundaries of dosing and all that? What, what would you say the trend is? Well, the trend for the last couple years since 2018 has been towards microdosing and products that are very unintimidated unintimidating and accessible right. to new consumers. And that has been the big focus of the marketplace. Um, yeah, that's, that's my brand, Shuggies. We do that. I mean, it's just something I invented a couple of years ago. And we aimed specifically for people of lower body mass to keep the, the dosage low so that they can enjoy edibles, you know, and, and start in to the edible sphere. They can graduate to higher doses. It's okay, you know, but um, I do think that's a, a trend that's going forward. How about drinks? What do you think about drinks? Drinks are fascinating to me. And especially as we're seeing with uh, Gen Z and many younger millennials, um, alcohol has kind of fallen out of fashion in, in some circles. And I think people are really searching for alternatives and cannabis drinks are there. You know, they fulfill the same kind of social function you yeah. can sip a little bit as you're hanging out. And it's this um, just very socially acceptable method of consuming. Um, drinks are a little funny for me. Like I, I love hi-fi. Um, you know, I'm somebody who in years past, like I, I really like to drink a nice IPA or, you know, I enjoy beer, but um, it catches up with you, you know? So I think as people are, are searching for, yeah, but like a hi-fi. That's true. Yeah, yeah. A, a hi-fi really satisfies my craving for a beer. And um, I just think it's a nice alternative to have. And I really want to see society and how it looks once we have those choices. Like yeah. bars and alcohol are everywhere. And, you know, pre-COVID, obviously, alcohol was this huge 
focus of how people socialized. And just imagine if you had a, you know, a weed bar right down the street that you could go to and um, just having that choice and having it be as ubiquitous in society as alcohol, I think you're going to see our society completely change. I, I hope, and I hope for the positive because, you know, we don't, uh, unfortunately, we just don't have the lounge scene that they do in Southern California up here in NorCal. Um, I'm also, my office is in Santa Rosa and I broadcast out of San Anselmo, California. Um, but unfortunately, because of COVID, all those places are closed as well, um, unless they have a dispensary attached to them. Um, but I see also the, the, the morphing into a kinder, gentler bar is the best way I can put it because I, Alcohol is not, it doesn't do everybody well, you know. You have good drinkers and then you have bad drinkers. And I'm, I'm sure you're aware of that in your own life, you know. Oh, yeah. And honestly, I used to live in Santa Cruz and there's a kava bar that opened in downtown Santa Cruz. And it was very interesting to me because they served um, CBD seltzer and like CBD chocolates and stuff. They also served all kinds of different kava drinks and like mocktails And it became a very hip happening place for the college students at UCSC. You know, all the the under 21 crowd suddenly had a place to socialize and they made it very cool and like with DJs and stuff. And I was like, this is a whole new world of people using entheogens and plants and herbs to recreate and creating a whole new culture around it. It's, It's great. A whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of imbibing, and a whole new way of partying. I think it's it's cool. My daughter is of a certain age. I won't say it on the radio, but you know, she and all her friends um, drink this stuff called White Claw, which I yeah. tried once, and I'm like, yeah, this is gross, but okay. <laughs> and they love it. <laughs> they love it. So, you know, God bless them. They're, they're into it. Um, who who is framing? the edible buying trend, who, who is that demographically? You see it, obviously, because you manage a lot of stuff. Who would you say is the current buyer, other than the people we mentioned before? Is it traditional uh, cannabis buyers or is it new, new people? It's hard to know if they're traditional cannabis buyers or if they're new to the market. We don't really yeah. have any way of measuring that other than surveys. Right. Um, we do rely on headset data, which is pretty extensive. Mm -hmm. So we do see people driving the edible market who are mostly millennials. Um, There's a good chunk of boomers and Gen Z is is coming up strong for sure. Mm -hmm. We see a lot fewer of like the silent generation, you know, that's that's a pretty small percentage. Um, But in general, it's millennials and Gen X and boomers who are driving the market and they're they're all into edibles. And that's the interesting thing because they're choosing different segments and they're, they're looking for different products. Um, So that's pretty fascinating to see. And especially during the COVID times, we're seeing a lot of new people coming to edibles and that's just based on, you know, anecdotally on social media and and everything. But a lot of people are are seeking a non-inhalable option. And yeah, that a lot of people are um, trying it for the first time while we go through this, uh, this, this challenge. Thing. Yeah. So we're going to go to our first break. And when we get back, you brought up a great subject that I want to get deeper into, and that is vaping and smoking and where we're going with this because I'm a lifetime smoker of, of cannabis. Um, so we'll be right back with Elise McDonough of Canacraft, and that'll be about two minutes. 
We'll be right back. We'll be back to Crave Your Sweet Tooth with more Dazed and Infused right after this. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Trends and technology, processes and products. We cover these areas and more on the cutting edge of cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The Cutting Edge of Cannabis, consulted by the American Cannabis Company. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. How sweet it is. Dazed and Infused is back only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back with Dazed and Infused. I'm Latham Woodward, your host tonight. We are very pleased to have Elise McDonough of Cannacraft with us. Elise, when we went to the break, we were talking about uh, vaping and smoking in this weird COVID time. Well, obviously, we're going to timestamp this podcast as a COVID one. But what are you seeing? Are you seeing actual trends downward or sideways or just status uh, or static rather with um, vaping and flower? Flower, I know, is king, but what's your take on that? Based on the data that I've seen, I have not seen any sort of negative impact, which is kind of counterintuitive, but I I do think that people are just stocking up. um, And they're also, they're using flour as a raw ingredient to to make their own edibles and preparations as well. Um, So I do think that flour is here to stay um, as well as vaping. There's already really established customer bases for those products. And Let me, during, can I ask you a, a real specific question within the vape space? There's a lot of, of vape brands out there that I have tried that are bad terpenes or added added things, whether it's a, a vitamin acetate or other things. Do you think we're not going to see as many of those on the market? I think the consumer is getting a lot smarter. What do you think? Oh, for sure. And, and, yeah, when the vape crisis unfolded, we definitely saw in the data, we, we saw the hit to sales, we saw the downward trend, mm-hmm. and it has since rebounded. And there's been a, a lot of good public messaging and education about 
the differences between a licensed product versus an unregulated product and, and where the dangers lie as far as counterfeit products um, and unregulated things that are just being mixed up in somebody's garage and you really don't know what's in it. Yeah, I think the cushy punch um, thing down in LA really kind of shined a, a very bright spotlight on the other side of it. And I'm not saying cushy punch did anything wrong. I'm just saying they were the kind of the poster child for it and how many vape brands are out there that may or may not be coming from reliable sources. So it's like buyer beware. I forgot to ask you my leading question because I was so excited to get off the ground with you here. What's your historical um, connection to cannabis? Where, how did you come to cannabis? Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, just waiting for that motorcycle to go by. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I was a teenage hippie, you know? I was hanging out. I grew up in, in Cleveland Heights, and I went to Heights High School, and I hung out in this kind of bohemian little neighborhood called Coventry. In Ohio? Um, yeah, in, in Cleveland Heights. And right I worked on. for the uh, Cleveland Food Co-op. And this is when I was around like, you know, 16 years old. And so I fell in with a bunch of health food hippie people. Okay. <laughs> and that that sort of started my journey with cannabis. Um, just, you know, meeting a lot of hippies and and feeling the counterculture vibes myself and, and sort of rejecting conformity and the status quo. And so, yeah, that kind of started me on, on my counterculture journey and, and cannabis was a big part of that. And I found my crowd, you know, right on who always, yeah, as somebody who was, who was bullied as a kid and just never really fit in. Um, I found my cannabis crowd and it was a lot of really great people. And that sort of has continued throughout my life is I've always fallen in with the cannabis crowd in college. I was in New York city and, and same thing. Like you find your, you find your circle, you know, it's a, it's a trippy and very common story in the cannabis world. And I, I like hearing it that, you know, you felt perhaps you felt like an outsider and then you found your crew and it helped cement it and cannabis helped the whole thing. I'm sure. Yeah. It's interesting because I always felt like cannabis would bring a lot of different misfits together and not just misfits, but people from all different walks of life could find this commonality in sharing cannabis with each other. Um, and so then it's been interesting as it's become more mainstream and all of these other people have been coming in from other professions. And um, I feel like that's where some of like the resentment comes from, from like the old school cannabis people is that they felt this rejection yeah. earlier in their lives. And now all the cool kids, you know, want to be part of their scene. And so it's just, it's this kind of weird um, paradigm shift. Have you noticed though, within the cool kid crowd, as you said, you know, I think a lot of people during the advent of total legality in California, you had a lot of people, perhaps a little moneyed, um, coming into the cannabis space and thinking, I'm just going to, I'm going to do this as my new thing. And then they now two and a half, three years in, you know, they're like, wow, this is work. You know, this sucks. <laughs> it's just like the job I had, you know, <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's definitely not the get-rich-quick scheme that a lot of people thought it was going to be. No, it is not. <laughs> yeah, and that's been the interesting thing because there's been a lot of good new people who are very cool and who are willing to listen and learn and who honor the people who came before them. And there's a lot of people who have this attitude um, that's very arrogant and self-serving, and they come in and they say, well, 
now that we're here, we're going to legitimize this whole thing. <laughs> it's just like, no, it was always legitimate. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's not how it works, you know, <laughs> <laughs> at all. Um, I, 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 something resonated with what you just said, though, and it, it is that, you know, I had a, a lot of friends in Sonoma and Napa counties and Lake County who uh, I used to say because I would go visit them at their farms and they were not legal farms. And they, uh, because of age, I, I would say to a lot of these guys and women too, it's like, why don't you come out of the cold and we'll get you, I'll help you get you licensed. And, you know, I've been through it and I'll and help you. And so many of them didn't do it because they just didn't feel like they had the energy anymore. You know, they had the energy to do what they needed to do on the farm, but they didn't have the energy to go this new route, you know, and unfortunately it's been devastating to a lot of people. And I really am bummed about that part of it because I don't think the state, I know you advocate a lot um, on the state level and I don't think the state took this into account that it was excluding a huge amount of people. You have any thoughts on this? I do. And I think it'd be very interesting. It'd be very interesting if we could get some sociologists on the case to do some impact studies as far as how how the unregul- unregulated market for cannabis served as a safety net mm-hmm. for a lot of people who had otherwise been failed by the system or who chose to reject the system. Yeah. I mean, I know two people who are ruined now. They're ruined. I mean, everything they had, everything they worked for is gone. I'm not saying... You know, there's ways to interpret this, whether it was legal or not, you know, whatever. That's a different argument for a different day. But I'm just talking on the personal level. These are people with grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And it's just evaporated. So it's kind of sad. And I was reading an article, I think, um, that you wrote about um, an edible maker, uh, Gina Golden. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of, it was, you brought all that back to me. Do you, what happened? Is she still around? She is still around. She's, she's doing great work. Oh, good. Uh, but that's the thing is, yeah, a lot of people have been pushed out of the licensed market or they find it incompatible with their values. Mm-hmm. And um, some people go to, back to the unregulated market and some people have gone to the CBD only market, which has become kind of another gray area. And so that's the interesting thing. And that was, that was honestly the really eye-opening thing about being a part of the cannabis cup scene from 2010 to 2015. Right. I was like, that, that was one of the freest markets I've ever seen. Like, oh, I remember. <laughs> yeah. Economists could do whole studies on, on that phenomena and that community and how it helped people and how it impacted people. Yeah. And I, all- did, I did one of the last cannabis cups and then um, one of the last Emerald Cups before everything went totally legal. It was a different world. It was like the the last, it was like the heydays of the 20s, you know, before everything went to shit in 29, you know? Yeah, I do think there need to be more accommodations for like farmer's market type events and like small co- cottage producers. Um, That's yeah, a great is, idea. I love that idea. Yeah, I mean, if you can have farmer's markets and have people sell on their jam and their pickles, I mean, that's the kind of basic level of food processing that if you can do it for regular food, you can do it for cannabis foods. Um, I think a special specialized license segment, so long as the testing was there, I think that would be really good. And especially for people who have been disenfranchised by the current law structure um, due to personal energy and whether or not they could deal with it or not. I think that is a great idea. It's worthy of um, some thought, I, for sure. 
Absolutely. And also I was volunteering for many years with the WAM collective down in Santa Cruz and they served, you know, at their height around 200 patients who were terminally or chronically ill. Mm. And I, I really wish that we could get some people to study the impact of that organization and how it saved money for the healthcare, you know, the healthcare budgets in Santa Cruz County. You had this organization that was really serving as a safety net for a vulnerable community. And it's tough. Like the, the compassion, the compassion programs are coming back, but like the medical movement has really not been served by the new regime either. Yeah. Um, and it's to the what, benefit of California state to, to get people to use something that's less costly. So hold that thought. We're going to come back after our second break and I'd like to get back into the, the wham and um, medicine. Okay. Cannabis is medicine. So we'll be right back with Lise McDonough of Canacraft. We'll be back to crave your sweet tooth with more dazed and infused right after this. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or eight years old. You can still learn something that's gonna make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The concierge for better living with Doc Rob. Only on cannabisradio.com. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential. I'm your host, Dr. Dina. We've got David Faustino on the line. Bud Bundy from Married with Children. Did you feel nervous being a celebrity walking into a weed store? I don't remember at all being like, ooh, I'm scared someone's going to take my picture here. What are they going to say? Bud Bundy smokes Bud? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a big shocker. Hey, this is David Faustino, and I'm on Cannabis Confidential with my girl, Dr. Dina, on CannabisRadio.com. How sweet it is. Dazed and Infused is back only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back with Elise McDonough here on Dazed and Infused. So when we went to the break, we were talking about Wham! down in Santa Cruz. Are they still around? Yes, uh, they were somewhat um, inactive for a little while, but they've come back now with a lot of new energy and their Wham phytotherapies in Santa Cruz, and mm. they're doing a branded line of flour, and they're getting their products back out there. Um, and it's just really a testament to the strength of that community and what Mike and Valerie Corral built has endured for you know more than thirty years. Oh, I've met them. I met them at a Weed for Warriors thing, I think. 
um, or was it, I can't remember where it was. It was at um, the Cow Palace. Tell the people at home how they can find Wham. Yeah, I would say um, check out wham.org, uh, W-A-M-M.org online, or look for Wham Phytotherapies on Instagram. And yeah, they're they're um, rising like a phoenix out of the ashes, and and they're doing a lot of great things for the community in Santa Cruz. That is super cool. And the other comment you made was about medicine and how cannabis is medicine. I'm a firm believer in that. I'm not always a firm believer in all things that are said about what type of medicine is, but I believe in one thing, and that's cannabis can get your mind off of your problems for a little while and give you that space you need to relax. So within the medical, I'm very kind of disturbed that the medical aspect has been pushed kind of aside and merged into the licensing structure and not really paid attention to as much. Is Does that concern you? And do you think we need more action to get more medical-only facilities available to people who need it? It does concern me. And, and the recent uh, bill that let the compassion programs continue to operate again, that was a real step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I think what's happened with medical is that Everybody just kind of assumed that patients can get their supply on the recreational market and making access uh, wider and more accessible for everyone will only help patients. But I think the high cost of it is definitely an issue. And it's like, yes, you can get around that and not pay the taxes if you jump through all the hoops to get the the medical card. But um, as the, the statistics from the medical card program show that like not very many people are doing it, And it becomes a cost-benefit analysis of what are you going to save in the taxes versus the cost of the doctor visits and the fees to get the card. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are deciding that it's not worth it for them, or they're just continuing to do what they've always done and rely on an underground network of caregivers and process and grow their own medicine, which is now a lot easier than it was before. Yeah, I mean, I I would just I had another guest on recently, Denise Holt from Beauty Pulse, and I use her CBD every day, and she's an amazing woman. If you, you have a chance to listen to that podcast, she's doing great work. I no longer take ibuprofen or anything else in my in my life. I take that, and I take it daily, and I, it's changed my life. So I'm a firm believer in that aspect of cannabis, especially I'm a psoriatic arthritis sufferer, so I I need it every day, and it's worked wonders for me. Um, this is the time in the show where we add a little levity to it. And I, is there a story we call it stony story? Is there a stony (laughs) story you'd like to relate to the people at home about something goofy that happened to you or a friend that people can relate to? Uh, Sure. This is a story that I've, I've told before. Um, it concerns, it. it concerns space cake Friday. I call it the legend of Space Cake Friday. I already Um, started good. (laughs) So yeah, back in the day at the High Times offices, um, and this was a long time ago now, at 419 Park Avenue, where the offices used to be, we used to take turns and different people would bring in a different infused treat on Fridays and we would partake um, later in the day. And uh, it was a fun little tradition that we enjoyed for a while until one day, <laughs> Space Cake Friday went a little bit too far. Okay. And uh, I specifically remember it was uh, strawberry cheesecake bars and they were delicious and everyone ate them. And 
you know, it was a very uh, big open space with a lot of cubicles and, um, you know, usually a very loud, active place with a lot of conversations and phones ringing and, and you know, um, and on this particular Space Cake Friday, it got very quiet. And then all of a sudden I realized that phones were ringing and, and no one was picking them up. And, and somebody, <laughs> somebody finally mustered up the courage and, and, and said, hey, is everybody okay? <laughs> Oh, and, and, and we were too scared to order lunch. You know, we were on a 16th floor of a office building in the middle of Manhattan and, and nobody wanted to go outside and get lunch. Oh, <laughs> and That's hilarious. Eventually got it together. Um, but yeah, that Man. was one of the many stories that... Uh, was it many hours later? Oh, it was a whole afternoon. I don't think a whole lot of work got done on that particular Friday. But we all learned a lesson. (laughs) Do you know the month of that issue? I want to see that issue. Oh, man. I would have to go back and look in the archives because the cheesecake bars, I think, were definitely in the recipe column at some point. But yeah, it (laughs) went uh, when Space Cake Friday went a little bit too far and then we kind of stopped doing it. (laughs) So um, is there anything you'd like to plug today? Um, Your books, are they still out in print? Can people get them? Sure. Yeah. Uh, check out the Bong Appetit cookbook from uh, Vice Munchies. That is a really fun book that came out in 2018. And um, I'm currently working on Satori Confections. So check out Satori online at Instagram and Twitter, um, Satori Chocolates. Cool. We've been, we've been featuring a lot of really cool recipes from leading chefs in the cannabis culinary movement because that's my background. And I thought it would be a lot of fun just to see what people could do with the different chocolate products. So we've mm-hmm. been having a blast with that. Are, are you professionally trained at all as a chef or did you just kind of this, that's what your passion was? I'm mostly self-taught. Um, I right was a on. vegetarian uh, at a very young age and my mom was very cool about it, but she said, you got to make your own food. So that's how I got into it. And then I took some classes when I lived in New York City at the Natural Gourmet Institute in New York. And that's where I picked up a lot of my you know core basic cooking skills. All right. So for the people at home, follow your passions and uh, look to what you want to do. And you could be Elise McDonough. Elise, thanks for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And I'm available on Twitter. If anybody has questions about edibles, I'm at Elise, E-L-I-S-E-M-C-D 420. And you can always hit me up and ask me about your infusions or your recipes. What's your Instagram handle? It is uh, Cannabis Edibles 420. All right. Well, as usual, this show is brought to you by Shuggies, S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S, the sweet, sweet, take anywhere treat. Look for it at a dispensary near you in delicious agave and sugar in convenient 20 packs. Elise McDonough, thanks so much for being on Days and Infused. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Okay, thanks. See you again. Bye-bye. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.